Selma translates the whole conversation. They're essentially just working out the... Sure. Translate <laughs> <What>? No. <laughs> Stop it, Siri. Sure. Translate. No. <laughs> Siri wants to be helpful. Welcome to Stargazing, a Stargate-gazing podcast. I'm your host, Kathy. And I'm your other host, Mary. And each week we discuss an episode of Stargate beginning with Stargate SG-1. Hello. How are you? I'm doing okay. How are you? I am good. Good. I am uh, in my bedroom today because I don't want to turn off the air conditioning in my living room for even the duration of this recording. Yeah, I don't think (laughs) it is. So gross. So, so gross. I actually probably shouldn't complain because I haven't been outside at all today. So I don't actually know how gross it is today. I just know how gross it's been and how gross it supposedly is. And that's why I'm not going outside today. As you should not. I I was only out for a few minutes and that was more than enough. Yeah, same. Yesterday I was only out for a few minutes to walk the dogs. And yeah, it was more than enough. The dogs didn't want to be out there. I didn't want to be out there. No, it was garbage. Yeah. And it's kind of deceptive because I look out my window and I can see trees moving, but I'm like, nope, mm-hmm. it is not a pleasant breeze. Yeah, I actually said the exact same thing to Jeff earlier. I'm like, it's deceptive because I see a breeze and that makes me think, oh, it's nice out. Yeah. But no, I know better because it's 93. Yeah. Disgusting. Oh, I knew what I forgot. I left the booklet in the living room. <sighs> the worst. Do I do. Should I get it now? Yeah, I'll Go be right for back. It. I'll just be here playing with my fidget spinner because I can't just sit still for any length of time. That's not comfy. I don't have headphones in, so (laughs) I'm just talking to myself here, everyone. Oh, now I'm all hot. This is stupid. I like that your name is Die Summer Die or The Summer. Exactly. Die. <laughs> You're using the I, German yes, I, usage of the word. I always use the German usage of the word yeah. the. The summer. <laughs> die. Yep. <sighs> it was such a hike. From your bedroom to your living room? So yeah, far. It is very far. Yeah, I've been to your house. I know how. how <laughs> It's that impossible. I'm <laughs> surprised I made it that far. Right? Yeah, but I did. I'm here. Good Booklet job. is in the Good job room. not dying in the heat on the way there. Although I know you've got air conditioning in various places. Just the living room, basically. Yeah. And my brother's Thankfully, country. we have central air, but where I am, this room that I am in is not really air conditioned, so it's not too bad, but it's definitely a lot warmer yeah. than the rest of the house in here. I apologize if this room is echoier than the other room. No, okay. Not that I can tell right now. It'll be more yeah, obvious later when I'm editing, might just be me doesn't hearing like myself. <laughs> anyway, I usually put a little bit of a noise reduction on Good. your track. Sometimes on my. I mean, they should probably apply that to me in real life, so. <laughs> True. I don't know how that would work. Would you need like a Bane style mask to kind of <laughs> mute you and turn down the Kathy a bit? Yes. You could even still call me Bane Cat because my name's Kathy. <laughs> Yay. It's true. Yay. Very true. We could. <laughs> You know where there were no masks? <laughs> where were there no masks? There were no notable masks in this episode of Stargate today. <laughs> nice dissolve. Thank you. <laughs> Even Apophis was not wearing a mask or his normal headgear no, or anything. Just the metal yeah. bits of his face. <laughs> yep. Yep. Good time. Indeed. Yeah, I don't even think we saw any, like, Jaffa in Serpent, like, garb headgear yeah i don't think i was trying to think and yeah i don't think we did i don't recall seeing anybody that had the full the full head thing on that covers their Ah. face oh well Hmm. yeah okay yeah so that said what are we talking about today we're talking about stargate sg1 season 4 episode 14 serpents venom Ooh. 
was thinking, does this have anything to do with snakes? Oh, right. It's in a pot. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I'm like, why is serpents venom? Oh, duh. <laughs> it's it okay. is. It's fine. I'm only like three quarters of the way into one beer, so I don't know why my brain isn't functioning. I'll blame the heat, oh. even though, as I've said, I haven't been it's outside. It's most definitely the heat. It doesn't matter. I walked in here and felt ill immediately. I haven't been in my bedroom really no. in, you know, a week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because you said you've been yeah. sleeping on the couch, right? That sucks. You need to get that air conditioner for your room. It's so dumb. There are three here and I can't use any of them. That, yeah. That's so weird and annoying why they left a bunch of air conditioners. I, like, why did they even have those air conditioners put if they couldn't be Two used? in the living room? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. We should probably mention that whoever had the house before you left several air conditioners with the house, but that they don't fit in any no, of your windows. So that's not, just so Yeah, because I have very small windows in one room and casement windows in most of the other ones except the living room. Yeah. But, oh well, here we are. It's fine. Weird. I will have yeah. AC at some point and I have it in the living room. That's fine. Right. As long as you have it in one room where you can just spend all of your time and hide in a cold yes, ice cave. exactly. It's more like a cool non-ice cave <laughs> cool cool cavern. Cavern. yeah 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 as long as it yeah just throw some stalactites on the ceiling and it's fine. yeah humidity is my worst nightmare so it's okay as long as it's sucking out the humidity yeah that is yeah. the important thing i agree any <laughs> anyway we can we continue to go off on a tangent that has nothing to do with this episode <laughs> do you think that the gold ships are air-conditioned Oh, that's a valid question. Seeing as they're, they really like deserty areas, I'm going to guess mm. no, but that the heat in the gold ships would be a dry heat. Fair, yeah. Yeah, that's going to be my well, guess. Well, they make their poor Jaffa and... wear much heavier clothing. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. Half of what Apophis has now used to belong to Seth, and you know he was supposedly like the, the devil or the god of mm -hmm. hell, so I imagine that his ships would be quite hot. I can't imagine there would be air conditioning on a ship that is inspired by hell, or that hell is inspired by. Was that Sokar? Whatever. Was it Sokar? Seth was the one on Seth, Earth. Aren't they the same person? No, Sokar was that like. Well, I mean, I guess Harrower is also bald. Sokar was that pale bald guy. <laughs> yeah. Oh right, yeah. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah, I don't know. They all blend Whatever. together. Yeah, point. all gold look alike. Yeah. <laughs> Not really. But that's well, the okay. the human form doesn't. But I would I would say the hagfish. Oh, the hagfish themselves. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that I agree with. <laughs> anyway, the episode starts. This is a very talky sure episode. Sure is. The episode starts on Chulak. Some random kid runs into a tent to tell his father that he is coming. We don't know who he is yet, but the father, named Makar, tells the kid to get out of there because he wants this meeting to be private. Turns out that he is Teal'c, and he is getting together with this guy, Makar, and another guy named Rocknor, who is also there, to discuss some insurrection-y type things. It is a very lengthy conversation that can essentially just be summarized as Teal'c is trying to convince them to join the cause, but Makar seems to be kind of in, but a little bit apprehensive, whereas Rocknor is much more skeptical. Teal'c continues basically the same argument that we've had Teal'c, heard Teal'c make about how it is important to earn the freedom from their people, from these false gods. And that they can't fear the Gwold and they shouldn't serve the Gwold. Teal'c has the backing of several other tribes that he mentions. And so Rachnor agrees, all right, well, I'm going to meet with them as well and stamp out this blasphemous <gasps> rebellion. And he just pulls out a Zat gun out of nowhere and yells Hashak Kree. And then he Zats Teal'c and Teal'c falls over. <sighs> Heel turns. God. Yep. Yeah. Right. Apparently, Makar was against it too, because even though he seemed a little bit more convinced than Rachnor did, we still end the scene with Makar saying, Shulfa. All ruse, jerks. Right? Seriously. Yeah. After credits, we're in the SGC. Jacob Carter is hanging out with his daughter and General Hammond, and they head into the control room because the gate is dialing it's the tokra 
Yay. Jack Ooh. arrives and is disappointed by this news. <laughs> <laughs> to his credit, Jacob gives him no side eye about that, although Sam throws him a look. <laughs> and they're receiving a transmission. And Jacob says, looks like my vacation is over. Womp womp. In Daniel's office, the team is gathered with Jacob. They are listening to a transmission that they managed to intercept between Apophis and Herur. Or Herur, as somebody calls him <laughs> later. <laughs> this conversation took place less than an hour ago. It is in the Gold language, but, you know, thankfully Selmak is there to translate for him and basically tells them that it sounds like they're trying to form an alliance. Currently, Herur is sided with the system lords, but if he got together with Apophis instead and they took over everything and killed off all the system lords, that would be bad because that would be crazy powerful and super hard to fight and terrible. Jack calls it galactic badness. <laughs> And also exclaims, huge! So the plan is to try to figure out some way to sabotage the Alliance. In this transmission, they have also managed to receive an image of some symbols. Daniel gets a book and says that they are similar to Phoenician letters, but he's not exactly sure what they mean. Selmak says they believe that it's a technical manual, but none of their Tok'ra linguists could translate it, so maybe a combination between the Tok'ra and Daniel, they can kind of figure it out between the two. Jack still isn't sure what this has to do with anything. And long story short, if they can get in the way of this meeting that's going to be happening between Apophis and Herower and start kind of making them distrust themselves and sabotage their meeting, then maybe they'll have a chance of preventing this alliance from happening. Because each of these guys has the two largest armies among all the Gwaul. The two of them combined would for sure be bigger than all of the other system lords combined. They eventually figure that these symbols and what they're hearing are kind of a combination for a lock. Oh, great. Well, now they're just going to go and Jack cuts off Selmak mid-sentence to say, hey, we're not going anywhere with you until you explain this whole thing. And then Jacob comes back out and says, well, obviously I was going to tell you, Jack. <laughs> So Jack says, okay, never mind. <laughs> this is a total tangent. I went Shocking. to go look that up Phoenicians, just, you know, huh. but then I was reading about how their wealth was largely based on the fact that they could make Tyrion purple dye and dye fabric that, and it was extremely uh, coveted and very expensive. So then I just read about nice. that instead. So Excellent. in case you're wondering, it's sort of the reason because so Tyrion purple apparently is derived from sea snails from oh. some gland that excretes mucus. Cool. And also it is apparently extremely labor intensive and requires tons of these creatures to make even the smallest amount of this dye. Therefore, that's why it's very valuable. And was probably extra expensive because it seemed like the Phoenicians sort of had a monopoly on it for a very long time. To the point where, like, even how to do it was sort of a lost secret for a long time. And then somewhere later on, I want to say, like, sometime, I think it was the 1800s, somebody who was trying to cure malaria figured out something he was using made purple dye. So therefore, it became easier for the plebes to acquire purple <laughs> clothing Interesting. so that's a random thing i was reading about today i do actually find the history of various pigments and colors to be really yeah. interesting along similar lines i was reading today that cleopatra always wore red lipstick because that was also supposed to be something really hard to come by it was made of like insect shells and some other stuff and it was a sign of affluence and both men and women used to wear red wow. lipstick back in the days of Cleopatra. Nice. that's really cool yeah 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 and then also <laughs> <laughs> apparently red velvet cake was turned red commonly believed by to be by beets but initially it was actually just a reaction between like the vinegar and the chocolate that would turn red yeah so were people deliberately making it red or with the vinegar and... yes okay mm -hmm. so there's a chocolate cake recipe that i came across that i make once in a while but 
It has a lot of vinegar in it, but it does not turn any red color. It makes me sick. I think it probably has to do with the form of the chocolate that okay. you're using. Okay, yeah, I was just using cocoa powder, so. Yeah, yeah I think it has to be, I, I don't know what type, it, it, it listed the specific chemical that is in there, but I know that there's like differences between alkalized versus non-alkalized chocolate and stuff like that. So my guess would be the specific chemical makeup of the chocolate that you're using would play an important role in that reaction. Okay. Oh, I guess more on point, I did read very briefly that the Phoenician number system, they had a symbol for 1, 10, 20, and 100. Hmm. That's it. Interesting. (laughs) This has been nothing to do with the episode with Mary and Kathy. (laughs) Yay! (laughs) I think our listeners would expect nothing less. Fair. (laughs) Anyway. Back to the episode. The team has assembled in the briefing room with Hammond and jacob and they are looking on a display i think behind ish them is this rotating which looks an awful lot like a tie fighter it does (laughs) and they are talking about this meeting between apophis and harrower which is going to take place in the tobin system which was apparently another group of humans from earth that subsequently went extinct while off planet i guess there is no Tobin civilization. I looked oh. it up. Or at least I, I was yeah. <laughs> I tried. I'm glad you yeah. looked it up. Thank I was you. wondering and then forgot. And then I got lost in purple. And... <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. Purple's a great yeah. color. I agree. There's also a uh, song by Goggle Borde- Bordello to start wearing purple. Ooh. It's called Start Wearing Purple by Goggle Bordello. It's a fantastic song. And that is great advice. Yeah. Apparently it actually comes from the lead singer and his girlfriend had like a landlady or a neighbor or something that always wore all purple and was strange and harassed them a lot. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Another tangent. Yes. <laughs> Back to the episode. Yay. For some reason, this civilization before they went extinct decided to surround their planet with a bunch of mines. And they call it a mine. Oh my! Apparently, yeah. like hundreds of thousands of them. There's a lot of mines that they show us later. Yeah, these mines apparently don't literally go after everything the second it comes in, but it does go after energy signals, including weapons. So they're probably not going to be firing on each other in this place, which makes it a good meeting spot. Jacob's plan is for them to bring a cargo ship over there, and they're going to reprogram a mine so that it can smack into Apophis's ship <laughs> and then they're gonna point towards Harrower then that'll start some shit between the two of them and we'll stop this alliance in its track hopefully he specifically said that they could take the cargo ship that he came there in why would he have gone to earth in a cargo ship instead of using the gate did was he still here from his visit to save Jack and Teal'c from careening out of the solar system. Oh, maybe. And he had yeah. a ship, right? Maybe he just yeah. continued that into a vacation. Okay, yeah. that would make sense. Yeah, anyway, there's this whole plan for them to move amongst the mines while also taking a mine inside his ship and reprogramming it, but not touching the mine at all because it will go off in the ship. That would yeah. be bad. Yeah. yeah, he basically has to like float the ship around the mine without interrupting the mine's trajectory so yeah. that Sam can do some sciencing on it and hone it into a beacon. Yeah. Yeah. That will be placed by a Tok'ra operative on the ship, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So there's a Tok'ra there's operative okay. it's on Apophis's ship to be a beacon for this thing. Jacob's like, well, I'm going to need Daniel for this and probably Sam too because <laughs> math is hard and she knows a lot about it. <laughs> and... Jack's kind of like, <clears throat> and Jacob's like, oh, yes, and Colonel O'Neill is always a lot of fun to have around, too. <laughs> so SG three quarters is going to go with Jacob. Tilk is dragged into a prison somewhere. For some reason, this had a very Star Trek-y feel to me. It seemed like any of a number of prisons <laughs> we'd have seen on alien planets on Star Trek. Possible. I don't know what made me think that, but it did. Ragnar just tells Teal'c, don't think your punishment is over. And then we meet Terok, who introduces himself to Teal'c with a pain stick. Always a good way to greet somebody. I mean, they're going to remember you. This is true. <laughs> I do not think that Teal'c will be forgetting Terok. And he wants to know who Teal'c thinks might be the most famous among the Jaffa. Would it be himself, 
for all of his torture and meanness, or would it be a tilk for his blasphemy and insolence? Hard call. Hard call. But Ragnar thinks that a lot of people know Tilk, but everybody fears Terach. It's thrilling. Diplomatic. Yeah. And as Terach is here threatening Tilk, Tilk spits in his face, and for whatever reason, Terach wipes the spit off of his face and tastes it, and that's just disgusting. <laughs> I have no idea why that had to happen, but it did. <laughs> Yeah, Tirok really loves the monologues, so oh, yeah. he continues to monologue at Tilk about how he's going to torture him, and he's going to also activate this recording device so that he can show everybody Tilk's torture and eventual giving in to that torture. And then maybe by the point in time that Tilk gets to begging for forgiveness, maybe he'll be granted an honorable death. Tilk says never. Tarak says let us not argue about the future, which, of course, just made me think, let's not argue about who killed who. <laughs> this should be a happy day. Anyway, <laughs> then there's more stabbing with the pain stick. Yay. <laughs> and that's the scene. <laughs> We're back in the SGC after this. I have a question before I yes. go. Could you hear a weird audio thing where they start out really low, but then by the time they walk into the elevator, they're up to like a normal volume? Oh, no, but I was also walking on the treadmill at okay. the time, so I don't know that yeah. I would have noticed. I don't know. Because the treadmill, even with the headphones on, is kind of yeah. loud. I was on the Netflix. It just, I, I played it twice. I was like, is this my TV? I don't think it's my TV. Oh, weird. Anyway. I was also on yeah. watching it on Netflix, but I did not notice. Either way, anyway, doesn't matter really. Jack and Sam and Jacob are headed to the elevator. I assume they're going to collect Daniel because that's what happens when they get in the elevator. Jack asks Jacob if he thinks the gold are stupid enough to fire on each other in a minefield. And Jacob's like, no, (laughs) our plan is actually for them not to do that. We want them to have an all out war so they can both weaken each other a lot. Jacob elaborates that he thinks that if Harrower is ambushing him, Apophis will retreat and then following that up will be an attack on Harrower's planet. The elevator stops and opens, and we see Daniel carrying a bunch of books in bags and books outside of bags, and Jack's <laughs> like, what the hell is all this? And Daniel's like, I need these books. I need the ability to translate the mine, so these books are going to be helpful. And I couldn't get a CD-ROM from archaeology.com. It's an interactive CD-ROM! So I can't use a laptop, Jack. Okay? And then Jack takes a moment to push Daniel's glasses up his nose. (laughs) It was very silly. It was quite silly. (laughs) They make their way to the ship. When they get on board, Jack says, still going with the gold, huh? (laughs) Because, of course, it is still very Egyptian-themed and gold everything in there. Jacob says, well, he did have a bulkhead removed at one point, but but other than that, the aesthetics are still the same. However, they are going to need to fit a mine inside, so they did need a little bit of extra room in there. Daniel asks where the escape pods have gone, and Jacob says, well, we're not going to need those if anything goes wrong, because we're all going to blow up and die. So, fair point. Later on, a whole bunch of books are sprawled all over the floor, and there is absolutely no way that Daniel had all of those books in his bags and was carrying them, because there are so many books everywhere. Daniel and Sam are reading. Jack is playing with some Velcro. (laughs) He asks Sam if she understands it, and she gives him a cute look and says it's all Phoenician to her. (laughs) On the gold ship, Teal'c's looking pretty bad. Yeah. He's seen better days. Ragnar is there, though, to help him a little by giving him some water. He promises it's only water and, you know, you might die sooner if you don't drink some water. You're not being recorded, so no one's going to think you're any less of you for drinking this water. Again, a very talky episode. Ragnar's (laughs) like, I swear on my father's name that this is only water. (laughs) Yep. Tilk wants to know who Ragnar's father was. Ragnar says it's a person called Delnor, who Teal'c has heard of because Teal'c spared his life one time when Apophis had ordered him killed and Teal'c was still per- first prime. See, I thought that this was weird. Like, the whole, it's only water, I swear in my father's name. 
Because right after that, Tilk asked who his father was. To me, that meant that, all right, Tilk knows who his father is. Maybe he'll believe him and take the water. But instead, Ragnar throws the water right after telling him his father's (laughs) name. So whatever. I don't know. The water thing was all just an excuse to get this backstory in. So True. (laughs) Yeah, very true. So basically, Delnor became an acolyte of Tilk, not in an in-person way, but just he believed Tilk and he supported Tilk. Even to the point where, and I don't think we've mentioned it at this point, but Ragnar has a big scar in his forehead instead of a tattoo. And that is because yeah. his dad removed it. Yeah. yeah. It's a pretty nasty looking yeah. scar. Yeah. Unfortunately, it turns out that Delnor ultimately was murdered by Apophis. And not just his father, but his whole family. As a result, Ragnar feels like the gold are really powerful and gods because they killed his whole family and he even mentions that apophis has died and was reborn he's clearly a god (laughs) tarak comes in he says that braytac didn't last this long which Uh bullshit i don't believe it (laughs) yeah i was gonna ask do we believe if braytac is actually dead that would be a shitty way to take him out with like not even a goodbye episode just oh yeah we killed him (laughs) yeah i don't believe it and obviously even if they did kill him the way he says that braytac cried and admitted they were all gods before he was killed didn't happen tilk doesn't believe it yeah right but then it's time for more pain so ragnar rips tilk's shirt off atarak gets tilk right in the pocket in the pouch which yeah i hated it yeah not great gross no yeah yeah meanwhile the scout ship drops out of hyperspace and there are mines everywhere that was that scene (laughs) keep going (laughs) i guess i'll continue inside the scout ship (laughs) jacob says they've reached the tobin system sam says wow that's a lot of mines (laughs) they get ready to ring one of the mines in jacob puts on a headset thing that covers one of his eyes and this is going to help him to keep an eye on the mine itself and make sure that it's centered in the cargo hold without hitting anything while also letting him see outside so that he can continue to avoid all of the external mines what could possibly go wrong nothing nothing yeah nope they bring a mine in as planned it hovers in the cargo hold not touching anything daniel says "Uh uh-oh there are no symbols on it (laughs) So, not really sure what to do next. (laughs) Oops. Uh, Yep. Meanwhile, Tilk is still being tortured and talked at by (laughs) Torak. This time, though, he's moved from the pain spit... The pain spit. The pain (laughs) spit, which actually I think is what Tilk did to him. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. But he's done with the pain stick. And has moved on to sparkle blinging him with the ribbon device. He continues to be like, we're God. You need to admit this. Blah, blah, blah. Tilk's like, no, but not in English. (laughs) (laughs) And he continues to be tortured by both the ribbon device and the pain stick at the same time. Woo. Yeah. (laughs) Two for one deal. Tilk's getting here. Lucky. Right. Yeah. Back on the scout ship, they try to figure out what to do. Jacob says that there should be a panel underneath it. Sam looks under. Jacob has to drop the ship down lower to get the mine a little bit higher in the cargo hold since they can't move the mine directly itself. So Sam can squeeze under there. She does see a circle with a cross on it. Jacob's like, I'm pretty sure you touch it. Jack is skeptical of that wording. And Jacob's like, well, the last time a toker was sent to attempt this, they were never heard from again. So <laughs> I liked Sam's reaction to this because she's laying under the mine and like her head just snaps to look at <laughs> yeah. Jacob in alarm. <laughs> but Daniel confirms, no, that thing is totally it. You got to touch it. And so Sam slowly goes to touch it. And then Daniel shouts, wait, <laughs> several times. <laughs> Jack yells at Daniel for startling Sam and everybody. And then Daniel's like, uh, wait, nope, go ahead. It's fine. <laughs> cool. So she touches the panel. Inside, there are some lights. They are flashing and colored. Jacob makes sure to tell Sam that don't touch the mine anywhere outside of the opening right here. That is the only safe place to touch that won't make the thing go off. Daniel lies down under the mine with her. And they try to 
figure out what to do next. They're not exactly sure how to work this thing. Jack lays down on the floor with them and asks how long it's going to take, but they really have no idea. On the gold (laughs) ship, Tarok is taking a break. Tilk is still not looking so good. I think I missed in the last one. Tarak got so annoyed that he whacked the recording device because Tilk wasn't giving him the show oh, he right. wanted. Yeah. <laughs> so. And then he screamed and left. Yeah. <laughs> About that. Tilk's like, he thought he was recording my humiliation, but he was recording his own. Suck it. <laughs> Ragnar's like, don't you think your soul is going to be punished? And Tilk's like, no, gold are parasites. I know where they're from. I know they're only flesh and blood. I'm not lying. Like you seem to think. <laughs> He's like, the gold have done a lot of terrible things to us. They're not gods. On the cargo ship, Daniel tells Sam that she needs to turn the little dial thingy in there. Three to the blue. Sam asks, which way is the blue? They don't know which way is blue, but apparently turning the handle clockwise is blue. I figured they had a 50-50 chance of that being right. (laughs) I thought that it was weird that Sam didn't hesitate at all before just taking a random guess. Lucky guess? Yeah. Yeah. She was right. Clockwise is blue. So she goes three notches clockwise. And she has to go four notches to the orange, which would then be the other way. And then three more back the other way. Meanwhile, the mine is slowly starting to come down towards their heads. Apparently, Jacob's having a little trouble navigating around the other mines outside while also keeping this thing centered. He almost lands that mine on her head. Jack pulls her out of there by the leg to keep it from smushing her head. And we get to the point where there's really just a few centimeters between the edge of the mine and the wall. But thankfully, he manages to maneuver around whatever was going on outside and recenters the thing. Phew. Yeah. Yeah. But... They're actually not quite in the clear yet because a ship is coming. So he's going to go and cloak their own ship. Yay. Apparently it is Apophis. Sam finishes following Daniel's instructions and it starts to buzz and flash. It sounds angry. She asks (laughs) Daniel if that's good. It's green now. Is that good? No, no, it's not. Sam wants to know how bad it is. And apparently it is very, very bad. She asks for Selmak's help, so Jacob makes Jack take over the steering, and then he just goes back and basically tells them, try it again. (laughs) Sam really wants to know what Selmak has to say about it, and Selmak says, try it again. So that was super helpful (laughs) and really good thing that he had Jack take over flying the ship just to go back there and not look at the thing and tell them to try it again. I think Jack was happy to have something to do, though. He was, but then once he realized how difficult it was to actually keep the thing properly centered and fly the ship around it, he was like, oh, wait, this is hard. This sucks. (laughs) Yeah, at first he seemed excited, but then when he actually got the pilot's chair, he was like, oh, oh. (laughs) Oh, we do learn, though, that they have about five minutes to fix their issue before the mine explodes. Yay. (laughs) Yay. So I guess they get to try a few more times. Yeah. Yeah. On the gold ship, Tarek orders Jaffa to drag Tilk out of the prison hall. So they do. End of scene. <laughs> yes. Would you like to take sure. another <laughs> We get to see our old friend Apophis. Woo. Looking good, long time no see, buddy. Uh, Jaffa reports that Harrower wants to talk to him. So he and Harrower start to have a conversation in not English. I think Seven of Nine pulls off the metal bits embedded in the face look. Oh, yeah. Better than Apophis does. Oh, sure. My appearance is sufficient. Definitely. But maybe that's just my personal preference because she's awesome. She is awesome. (laughs) And Apophis is evil. Yes. (laughs) Fortunately... Jacob is around to eavesdrop on this conversation, so we know what happens. Somehow they are able to eavesdrop on the transmission between the two ships. I'm not exactly sure how, but I'm guessing whatever operative they have in Apophis's ship must have done something to make this possible. Harrower and Apophis are essentially just hashing out the specifics of the alliance that they're going to build. Selmak slash Jacob translates it for everybody. Harrower wants to keep 
dominion over everything that's currently his. Plus, he also wants everything that is currently owned by Cronus. That might not seem like a great deal because, you know, what does Apophis get out of this? Everyone on the cargo ship, SG-1 and Jacob, are all curious about what could possibly be in this for Apophis because it sounds like Apophis is actually more powerful than Heruer at this point. And, uh-oh, it turns out that what he's offering is Teal'c. Uh-oh. Yeah. Daniel says, but Teal'c's on Chulak. But nope, apparently not. They can see that Teal'c is, in fact, there on the ship and not looking so good as he's dragged before the view screen so that Apophis can see him. This for sure gets Apophis' attention, and he's all in on this. Whatever he's got to do to get his hands on Tilk, he will agree to it. Hell yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, Sam and Daniel are still trying to get the combination lock on the mine to work so that they can change the frequency to make it hone in on that beacon that's going to be set. They keep re-entering the same code. It keeps not working. And then Daniel reads off the Tobin numbers and even shows them to Sam and says, look, this is one, this is two. But Sam says, well, what about zero? Daniel doesn't really know why that would be important or why the Tobins would have a zero when there's no zero in the Phoenician numerical system. But Jacob and Sam are both like, yeah, but zeros are important. Maybe that first number is a zero and not a one in your numbering system there. So they try it again, subtracting one from each thing to account for that presence of zero in the numbering system that Daniel has worked out. And it works this time. It accepts their code. And now Sam can get to some Samming (laughs) to get it to respond to the right frequency. Although that'll also take some figuring out. Yeah. Zeros. Zeros mean so much. Zeros are important. Zeros. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting that the Phoenicians have their own numbers for 10, 20, and 100, but not zero. Yeah. I don't know. From numbers big to small, and one number that means nothing <laughs> at all. The definition of zero is a mathematical value between positive and negative values. Whee! Yay! It's okay, I definitely don't spend time listening to They Might Be Giants children's albums. That's fine. <laughs> I can't really say I've listened to them a whole lot. I've only listened to them in the presence of my niece and nephew, because it's... <laughs> I think I've probably mentioned the only children's music that I will listen to in the car with them. (laughs) It's fine, though. They like it. Yeah. And I hear them singing it. And now my nephew wants to be a paleontologist. Yay! (laughs) Because of the song. (laughs) Well, you get to dig and sing about it. So why wouldn't you want to be a paleontologist? Right. At least he knows the difference between a paleontologist and an archaeologist. Indeed. Unlike some shows. <laughs> what show could you possibly be talking about? <laughs> anyway, back on the gold ship. I guess it's Harrower's ship, really. We find out. The one with yeah. Teal'c on it? Yeah. Teal'c is brought back to his cell. Terak's like, if you repent now, I'll save you and end your suffering. And Teal'c's like, I know this game. You mean so Apophis can revive me and start over? <laughs> he laughs for all yeah. of like the second time in this entire series, but it was not nearly as delightful no. No, it <laughs> in this situation <laughs> as in the first no. one. <laughs> but it makes Terok mad, which is great. Yeah. <laughs> Back on Jacob's ship, they're talking about Teal'c. Jack's like, we got to go rescue him. And Jacob's like, we can't because there's a lot going on here. Bigger things at stake. We've both been in battle. We know what it's like to lose people in those situations. Tilk is expendable at this point. Meanwhile, Daniel and Sam finish up the mine and close it on up. Jacob then goes ahead and rings the mine out into space. Sam notes that nothing's happening. And Jake thinks maybe our operative has been compromised. And Daniel's like, Uh or we reprogrammed the mine wrong. And they all give him a look. (laughs) He's like, no, no, I'm I'm sure we reprogrammed it right. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. Everything's fine. Oh, Daniel, this isn't the right time. (laughs) Yeah. We get a brief scene of Apophis and Heruer talking to each other. Heruer tells people to send Teal'c to Apophis. And that is that scene. (laughs) Go on. <laughs> oh, okay. Back on the scout ship. 
Jacob tells everyone that Apophis has agreed to the alliance. Sam also tries to convince Jacob that they need to save Teal'c because he of how hard he worked to save all of them. To rescue Jacob specifically on Nechu, she says that Jacob owes Teal'c and that they all do. Daniel has the good idea of, well, maybe we intercept the rings as they try to ring him between the ships, but it's going to take some pretty fancy flying, so Jacob gets back in the pilot seat, and Jack seems pretty happy to relinquish control now that he realizes how hard it was to steer this thing. (laughs) Back in Teal'c's cell, Ragnar is trying to give Teal'c some water. Teal'c, I think, got some down, but a lot of it just spilled right out of his mouth again. Yeah. Ragnar is impressed by Tilk's endurance in the face of all this pain and torture. And it's not even close, though, to what Apophis is going to do to Tilk. And Ragnar is like, and you're still not going to admit he's a god, so we're back to this again. Tilk's like, no. Ragnar is like, you're either insane or... And then Terra comes back in. They take Teal'c down, and instead of letting himself be dragged off this time, Teal'c struggles. Yeah, good for him yeah. for mustering some strength, despite how much he's been weakened, yeah. to yeah. really give a good blow to the face to the guard right? that tries to take him out. Yeah. Unfortunately, Teal'c is not strong enough to take all of them on at this no, point. No, he does take that first guy down, which I was yeah. impressed by, yeah. but yeah. Terok starts sparkle-blinging him again. Uh, but Ragnar is pretty upset about this this time. For some reason, this is the one. He's like, yeah. my lord, you're killing him. And he's like, I totally am going to kill this guy at least once before yeah. I send him on over. Well, it was right before Ragnar came in that he seemed to have come to that conclusion that, you know, either you're crazy yeah, or... Yeah, it's true. Yeah. So Ragnar, though, is like, I'm done with this. He pain sticks Tarok in the back of the head. Yeah. And there it is. Teal'c winning hearts and mind. <laughs> One torture session at a time. <laughs> so true. So true. Unfortunately, out in the scout ship, they realize that they missed Teal'c. They see the matter stream form between the two spacecraft, and then a bright light flashes between them, and oops, they didn't make it in time. They had to decloak briefly in this attempt to intercept Teal'c, so now they need to get out of there as soon as possible. And on Harrower's ship, it does turn out that, yep, they were noticed as soon as they decloaked. That's probably not very good. But we do see in the background a guy that is presumably the Tok'ra operative very quietly move a piece of metal off of his wrist to reveal a button, and he pushes that button. Out in space, we see a mine heading for the mothership, And Jacob realizes, ah, hey, the mine's moving. It's working. Everything's fine. Everything's going great. Mine goes to Apophis's ship and blows up. And it also turns out that the person that was beamed to Apophis's ship was not actually Teal'c, but it was Terok. Whoops. uh Yeah. So Apophis draws the conclusion that Harrower is attacking them and screwed him over. Harrower is like, I totally didn't do this. (laughs) <laughs> Apophis like, I don't believe you. You didn't even send me the Shilva, so fuck off. <laughs> Meanwhile, Jack's like, we gotta do something to help Teal'c. Jacob says, it's too late. And then suddenly a shit ton of ships decloak <laughs> in the area. Yep. Yeah, that's not great. <laughs> no. Jacob is dismayed because it is not supposed to be possible to cloak ships this large so apophis has got some cool new technology that makes him even more dangerous than he already was yeah 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 so they blow up harrower's ship so much for harrower he's gone now (laughs) rsvp yeah on the scout ship they are very dismayed to realize that all of these formerly cloaked motherships are on apophis's side and that's bad But they also realize that there's a sensor picking up a single glider that seems to have escaped from Harrower's ship before it exploded. They figure it's got to be Harrower himself, but thankfully they don't just fire on it. They actually take a second to ask. Well, not so much who is on the ship, but what god the person on the ship worships. 
And the response that they get is a Tok'ra password, which surprises everybody, especially Jacob. They ask for his identity. He says his name is Ragnar. They're all like, who the hell is Ragnar? And he says he's the person that helped Tilk escape. Jack asks for confirmation. Tilk very weakly is able to say that it's good to hear Jack's voice. Everybody is happy to find out that Tilk survived this whole ordeal. And they're going to go rendezvous at the third moon of some planet called Tichnor. Yay. Yeah. So their whole plan failed miserably, but not really for any fault of their own, because as Thelmak points out, there is absolutely no way that they could have predicted that Apophis would have an entire cloaked fleet with him in the minefield. Unfortunately, though, the takeaway is that now Apophis is in charge of all of Harrower's forces, and he is the, a bigger threat than ever before. Everyone looks unhappy. And we end the episode with a reaction shot on Daniel, <laughs> Sam, and Jack. I hear snoring in my room. I think one of my brother's cats might be under the bed. <laughs> Locked in this room with me. It's probably so terrified. <laughs> probably. It's so weird that they're so afraid of you. No. Poor kitties. No. I mean, eventually they've got to get over I hope it. so. Or maybe not. I mean, by the time that he moves out, maybe they still won't have gotten maybe. over it. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. did you like the episode? Yeah, it was fine. <laughs> I, I, there wasn't anything like that really was irritating, and but I thought it would be more of an exciting episode than it was. There was a lot of chit-chat. <laughs> There Which was. is fine, but I was like, oh, this is going to be an action-packed episode, isn't it? And then it's not. I right. was like, Teal Rescue, obviously. I just hadn't yeah. thought about it. So it was fine. I liked it. Good to see Jacob Carter some more. And good to have Apophis back in his villain role, being villainous. Right. In, a, in a big way. Taking all over the gold. How about you? Yeah, I did enjoy the episode. Parts of it were exciting, but then there was, like we were saying, a lot of monologuing on the part of Turak, especially. You got me monologuing! I can't believe it. <laughs> and just a lot of repetition of back and forth, admit that Apophis is God. No, admit it. No. Yeah. Just back and forth, and then Turok monologuing. Turak? Turak? I don't know. Turok monologuing about essentially the same stuff over and over again so there were definitely parts that felt like they just were making him talk more to fill up time but it was exciting there towards the end in particular yeah 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 i thought that the premise of having to keep the mine centered in the cargo hold and essentially having to fly the ship around the mine i thought that was really interesting yeah why haven't they made a video game out of that yet Sounds horribly boring. <laughs> Although, sometimes video games that sound horribly boring, like that power washing simulator that I mentioned last week, can be fantastic. I already told you this, but after we stopped recording last week's episode, I went and joined Jeff in playing it, because apparently there's a two-player mode, and then we literally spent the entire rest of the day and all of Monday playing it. And then also, now that it is the weekend again, we spent much of yesterday playing it. Yeah. I don't know why it's so compelling, but it is. Yeah. It's on Steam if anybody Ooh. else cares to look for it. Is it just <laughs> called the power washing game? I don't remember oh. what it's called. I don't actually know because Jeff usually oh, just yeah, launches it. Fair. But it's just, it's essentially, I think it's just called Power Washing Simulator <laughs> or something really simple like that. Yeah. I don't know if I've mentioned this on, this has nothing to do with power washing. Well, then I don't yeah. want to hear it. <laughs> Have you ever noticed when, when Apophis is angry, he gets a really pouty looking face? He does. Yeah. He doesn't look mad. He just looks like pouty. He looks pouty and also kind of surprised. Yeah. Like his eyes widen yeah. and yeah, he gets a pouty, pouty look on I his face. Like, like you said, oh, it's weird. buddy, it's okay. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> It's not going my way. <laughs> we want the silver. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. 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 You're right. And it's funny. It's still weird to see him with actual hair instead of one of his weird metal yeah. skull cap type hat True. things. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Anything else? Uh, Want to talk about what's next? Oh, right. What's next? I was like, I think we're forgetting yeah. something, but I don't remember what. <laughs> Mostly I remember because I actually wrote down the Netflix description, so I don't have to go open it up. Next, okay. we're watching Stargate SG-1 Season 4, Episode 15, Chain Reaction. 
Netflix says when Hammond announces he's stepping down, what? As the head of Stargate Command, O'Neill suspects there's more to Hammond's decision than he's letting on. Oh, <gasps> and booklet. Booklet says when SGC Commander General Hammond steps down saying he's too old for the job. I'm too old for this shit. <laughs> SG-1 immediately suspects foul play. And when a hard-nosed new general steps in to replace him and splits up SG-1, they vow to solve the mystery and get their beloved General Hammond back at the helm. It's got to be extra difficult for Jack to not be able to just do whatever the hell he wants and ignore all orders. Although they're probably ignoring orders by teaming up to get Hammond back, so <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I also like. I feel like this is a thing. You know, you get a new commander, and they like throw their weight around, and you're like, "This is garbage." And then by the end, they've they're gone, or they've relented, or yeah. yeah. Anyway, I think I vaguely remember the episode. I don't have too many specific. Memories yeah, I think I remember why Hammond steps down, but I don't remember anything else about it. Oh. I don't. I actually just remember Jack visiting Hammond at his house, and Hammond is watching his granddaughters play outside, and that's like the only thing I remember about the episode. Well, as long as not, Jack's not breaking anybody's car windows. Yeah, true. I do not recall that happening in this episode. <laughs> as always, thanks for listening. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe so that you can get our episodes as soon as they come out every Wednesday. Reviews and likes are very much appreciated to help other people find the show. And word of mouth is great for that as well. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. You can email us at stargatesing at gmail.com, or you can contact us through our website, which is stargatesing.space. And if you're feeling generous, you can find us over at patreon.com slash stargatesing to help support the show financially. Everything that you are able to contribute is very much appreciated to help keep this thing going. I'm Mary. I'm Kathy. And you've been listening to Stargatesing, the end. The end. I just want to go sit on the couch and do nothing. I strongly encourage you to do nothing on a day like today. I like doing nothing.